This has really been a wonderful conference. Very anointed. Speaking this morning just with a couple folks. One sister from Germany said that this is a holy place. And it truly is a holy place. Very anointed times. And I feel that God has begun a great work in all of our lives. At this conference. Something new. And he's going to continue it. I remember one time being in a summer conference years ago, I think it was Kaposvar. With Pastor Schaller. And it was such a powerful time. And I said that we were at a pizza place afterwards. Pizza place was totally packed. And I said, Pastor Shala, this is such an amazing time. This is so, so anointed. And he made a really interesting statement that I'll never forget. And when you have a group of people that have made difficult decisions for Jesus Christ in their life and have had things happen to them for the cross's sake. That's an anointed group of people. And that event will be an anointed event. And I think this church here is so ready for the, to receive the word, isn't it? Um, there's so much prayer happening here and so much preparation and, and expectation before every message. And I think I could just come up here and read John 3.16 and it would just be so powerful and then just sit down. <laughs> but let's read John. Let's stand together and read um, one scripture in Genesis chapter 3. And in verse 10. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 10. Thinking about these words. Let's look at verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Abraham to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And verse 10. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself. Father, bless these words. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Can we see it? When we think of when we think of the scripture that we just read, we think of we think of shame. We think of fear and what it does. But then we also see the resolution of God's plan 
before fallen man. And if we look at John chapter 2, I'd like to read something that was just my meditation during the week. Personally. John chapter 1, excuse me. And in verse 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Matthew and Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? If we think this morning a little bit here about Nathaniel, he was probably someone who was, in this case, a moral skeptic. Because Nazareth was not really an amazing place. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 7, the question is posed, can anything come out of Nazareth? Because there's been no prophet out of Nazareth. Nazareth was not a place that was ever referred to in the Old Testament. Politically, it was a small town probably of about 150 people that had a very bad reputation in the Jewish culture. Nazareth was known to be sympathizers with the oppressive Roman government against the Jews. And so Nazareth was not a sophisticated place. It was not a cultural center. It was really a bad place. A very bad place. And so Nathaniel, a bit of a skeptic, and maybe even cynical, said, can anything good come from Nazareth? And here is Nathaniel, a cynic in some way. And cynicism, remember, cynicism comes from, cynicism is the psychology of of bitterness. Sarcasm is its humor. Nathaniel here had some issues in his life. And as our dear sister Lydia from Page was singing that song, I thought of this, how God desires to search us and to know us. And we read on. 
And Philip says in verse 46, Come and see. This is really the best thing that we could ever say to a cynic or a skeptic. Come and see. Come and see. And this is uh, two words that we see in these verses that we've just read. Found is one of them. Philip, Jesus finds Philip, and then Philip finds Nathaniel. And the result of being found by the grace of God always results in seeing something. Come and see. The word here for see is that Greek word that means to see and to also know at the same time. And so we see that God is seeking Adam in the garden. Jesus in his ministry is seeking for Philip. Finds Philip. Philip is transformed. Philip finds Nathaniel and tells Nathaniel the same thing. Come and see and know. And this is what this conference has been about. Come, see, and know. And what what does Nathaniel say? What does he say? What we see in verse 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Wow, it's amazing. Jesus sees Nathaniel and knows him. And there's something beautiful that we love about that. That we, when we are seen and people, there is foreknowledge about us. That Jesus knows us. And that in the body of Christ, we too can have this discernment to see and know people before we even have any information about them. This is divine viewpoint, isn't it? This is the calling of Jesus Christ in our life. This is body life. When we come into a church, come into a conference, and there is knowledge about us that has not been previously spoken of. And God speaks to that inner man. Being known, deeply known, as we've heard taught in Baltimore. This is really what the world desires. This deep knowledge. This deep understanding. And then after that, something prophetic or something authoritative to be stated about who we are. Jesus meets Peter or Simon and says, you're Simon, but you're really Peter. You're Simon, but really you are Peter. 
Abram, you are Abram, but really you are Abraham. Abraham, and you don't know that, Abraham. You're Abraham. Because when we meet Jesus Christ, our name changes. Nathaniel, we don't really read much about Nathaniel later. Uh, John 21, there's maybe a reference to Nathaniel. Many commentators believe that Nathaniel actually is Bartholomew. That they're the same guy. But here's Nathaniel. I like his response. And I think that this would be the, a, a response of a moralistic, nationalistic cynic in some way. Skeptic. What does Nathaniel say? How do you know me? How do you know me? And we can read that in a couple ways. I remember sharing the gospel with someone. Telling them that Jesus loves you. And it just set this person off. And they said, how do you know that? You don't even know me at all. And this is what Nathaniel said. He reacted to that. This is how I can see, I can imagine this scene. What? How do you know me? You don't know me, and who are you to say that? You don't know me. Nobody knows me. I'm unknowable. I'm an island. And people don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know me, and who are you? You're from Nazareth. Let's talk about that. I'm, I'm just kind of exaggerating here. And then what does Jesus do? I love this. Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. There's that Greek word again, saw or see. I saw you and I knew you. That's how it is, isn't it? Adam is lost in his garden. God looks for him. A soul-winning, soul-seeking God in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3 seeks out Adam and says, where are you? I saw you when you were under the fig tree. I've been thinking about that. What happened under the fig tree? We don't know, do we? We don't know what happened there. Some commentators said that Nathaniel withdrew and prayed there for a while. Other, others say that he was there hiding. Maybe because Adam was hiding behind fig leaves. But we don't know. We don't know what was happening with Nathaniel under that tree. But Jesus Christ knew. He understood what was happening with Nathaniel under that tree. That private moments where Nathaniel was maybe going over something in his mind or troubled. Or maybe he was victimized 
or hurt or meditating maybe on a faith dream of some kind. But whatever the case was, Nathaniel was under that tree and something important was happening at that moment at that tree. But when we look at Adam at his tree and his bushes, Adam was struggling with shame. My opinion or my theory with Nathaniel is that there was some shame there. And when Jesus said that there's a man with no guile, I think he was speaking from a finished work perspective. Sometimes when we travel to different countries, countries that have experienced war, and, uh, civil war, uh, atrocities, uh, maybe rejection by the rest of the world. I can detect this. I can detect this cynicism in their culture. This almost shame in a national way. Because shame can be worn nationally. As we see that Gideon had this. He had a poor national self-image. And Adam was here. Adam was there in shame. Because guilt is more about what we do or what we have done. Shame is more about who we are. In shame, like Adam, we look for a covering. Covering to hide the shame. And when we are in this shame, we begin to live in fear. And in fear, we want to control our environments. This is important. Because as we've been so well taught, fear always leads to control. Guilt leads to shame, shame leads to fear, fear leads to control. And Adam, who was the ruler of his garden, is now trying to control it. Instead of having a spiritual authority over the garden that God gave him, now he's trying to control it. Human nature is to control and to not let go and allow God to love us and know us. And this is where Nathaniel was at. I could be wrong, but this is just my, my thought. Nathaniel is in this place and now he has become cynical. He has become unknowable. Unknowing. And he's not going to be known by anyone. I like this, what Timothy Keller said. He said that if you desire to experience, he didn't say it this way, but this was a thought he said, that if you desire to experience grace, you only need one thing. And that is need. Need. Need and nothing.
If you and I have needs, in Hebrews 4, verse 16, that's all we need to experience the grace of God. We heard this the other night, didn't we? That if we have a hard heart, that all we have to do is come to God in availability. God will soften that heart with his love. And that's true humility when we discover our needs and we don't hide our need from God. This is called vulnerability, isn't it? When we are not doing what Nathaniel is doing and we are, we are spiritually vulnerable because of sacrificial Calvary's love. Because when we are needy and we are helpless, in Psalm 34:18, the compassion of God is attracted to that. There's something very attractive we see in the Gospels about needy people that are spiritually needy. Our narcissists would see a needy person and try to manipulate that person for his personal value. But God is not narcissistic. God doesn't pray, God doesn't hunt for needy people to manipulate them. He looks for the brokenhearted and he draws near to them. He's drawing near to Adam in the garden. Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? God draws near to Adam. Jesus sends Philip to Nathaniel. God draws near to you and I when we want to throw in the towel. When we don't have what we think it takes to be what we should be. He draws near to us. And he sees the needs. And he has compassion on them. As with Israel in their backsliding. This is so precious. Because Nathaniel says... After he hears Jesus talk about the fig tree, he, what does he say? Rabbi, Rabbi, teacher, you are the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. <laughs> what a change of tune. That moment when we meet Jesus Christ at a conference, in a conversation, in our prayer time, when we open the Word and Jesus Christ meets us at our road of Damascus, when we are running away from the will of God like, like Elijah did, and he meets us in that mountain with a still small voice, when we meet Jesus Christ, we have a new name, we are given another name. And we're known in another way. We are spiritually known. And this is so beautiful. Because how does this happen? 
How is it that Jesus Christ can so amazingly and so powerfully identify with you and I? Three things. Number one, his life was an ultimate association with human pain. Hebrews 4, verses 15-16. He associated with us. Just the fact that he associated with human beings was one level of guilt. And get this. Get this. That the devil cannot perceive the compassion of God. He, he cannot comprehend the compassion of God. Because the devil is the devil. And he cannot know humility. Because he is proud. And because he's proud, the devil cannot perceive grace. He cannot perceive faith. And he cannot perceive compassion. And so when, Matt, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, the devil said, that's it. It's done. It is finished. He finished his work on man. It's over. It's over for man. Because, God, because the devil looks at God like he looks at himself. And he says, God must be proud because I'm proud. God must be arrogant because I'm arrogant. God must be uncompassionate and judging because that's the way I would be. Because there's no inner revelation in Lucifer or in Satan of the nature of God. And so what happened? When eternity and eternity passed, God had his counsel, his strategy meaning for mankind. And he said that man will fall, we will fall. Jesus said, I will go. The devil did not even comprehend that. And so when, when Jesus Christ was coming into Bethlehem as a seeking Savior, the devil had no idea what was coming. Because the devil would, did, he, he would have never imagined that God would come in the flesh. What? What? God would come in sinful flesh, the image of sinful flesh? Are you kidding? What? He just could not comprehend that. He did not. It was he with the devil was so blindsided by the incarnation. He was astounded. And we know this. We know this because Herod and his whole court were like, where is this king? Where is he? No one in the satanic kingdom knew where Jesus was and that he was even coming. Because the devil is not capable of humility or compassion. And so when Jesus was born, he was associated with us and he, became, he was guilty by association. 
And because he had the likeness of sinful flesh in Romans 8 verse 3, he was also associated with us and was guilty. And what that says to us this morning is that when Jesus walked this earth, he experienced every temptation that could have ever happened to a human being. It hit him. It hit him. Every sin that you can imagine on this planet thrown at Jesus Christ. Yet without sin. But you know what the beautiful part about that is at verse? Is that he was tempted. And that he is not above or separated from the feeling of our infirmities. And so when you and I are tempted, and we feel that pain of temptation or pain of, of offense or pain of bitterness, that, that pain that the devil will throw at a person, we can take comfort because Jesus also had that thrown at him. And he, he had that sense and that feeling of infirmity. And so he is a wonderful counselor and a wonderful comforter. And in closing, Nathaniel, in his little world, I think, of control, of maybe cynicism, skepticism, nationalistic pride, and moral, moral sarcasm, Nathaniel met Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ fully knew him, and that produced in Nathaniel a freedom from his, from, from his walls and his control. Nathaniel was so amazed that he began to worship Christ. Because worship is when we are not living in self-consciousness. When we're living in worship, we're not living in control. But we are living in God consciousness, Christ consciousness. And I'll close with verse 50 here. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Do you believe? The answer is yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, Jesus. I have faith today, a capacity to trust you because you knew me in my fig tree experiences. In Isaiah 63, that he knows our soul in afflictions. Wow, that's amazing. Who else knows us? When we are in when we are just by ourselves in our apartment and we're just thinking, oh my gosh. And the darkness is closing in. He knows us. He draws near to us. And he draws near to neediness. Adam 
Nathaniel was they were hiding their needing their spiritual neediness with different things and that's pride that's what the Lathian, Le, Le, Leviathan does it's been a long week I can't even speak English Le, 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 in the scales of pride that come in because you know when you and I cover I'm just going to stop but when you and I cover our 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 shame and our fear we are actually covering the very person that needs the love and the grace of God and when we know that that identification that compassion then we hear Jesus say you think that's amazing you should see even greater things and there's that Greek word again see you will know and you will see and I think that's what's going to happen this year in Hungary Amazing. It's so exciting to hear about Paige, isn't it? Pastor Andras and his wife. So exciting about what's happening in this area, in the Balkans. Because we have, we have seen and we are being seen and we are known and there's no condemnation. He that knows the heart does not condemn, he did that and does not condemn us. There's such great confidence in that, isn't there? Amen. So we love you and thank God. Thank you again for hosting us. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this precious group of people. Thank you that we are part of a ministry that is going into the world like Philip. We're looking for those Nathaniels in Serbia. Some exciting news about Serbia coming up. We're just so excited. God is, gonna, God is doing something there. And some, some things are happening. Yeah. Can't spill the beans too too soon, but it's so exciting what God is doing. Thank you, Lord. There's a Nathaniel in Serbia. There's a Nathaniel in Ukraine. There's a Nathaniel in Bulgaria. There's a Nathaniel in Macedonia. There's a, there's a Nathaniel in Thessaloniki. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this church. Bless Pastor Kende, the church here, the leadership. Bible College, and the 20 churches in, in, in Hungary. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. That's a great work of God here because of great compassion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.